Hey there, welcome to Cedar Valley Online. Thanks so much for spending part of your weekend with us and making time in your morning to engage together online in worship. My name is Rob, I'm one of the pastors here and we're gonna get things kicked off in just a couple of moments with the band. They're gonna lead us in a few worship songs. The lyrics will be up on the screen so you can sing along and engage in worship however you feel comfortable doing that. After that, one of our pastors is going to share a great message. And all in all, we'll be here for just about an hour. Parents, if you've got kids with you, we'll have a short message from Pastor Doug right after a time of worship. And throughout the week, you can get updates from our Kids Online blog posted on Facebook and email. You can sign up at cedarvalley.ca. Most of our communication will be going out through Facebook Instagram, and by email. So if you know someone who can't stay informed on these platforms, please give them a call and fill them in on our behalf. You may be wondering, how can I continue to give in support of the ministries of Cedar Valley? Our generosity with our resources is a core act of worship in our relationship with God. And we've made some provisions to make it easy to connect in this way while we are participating in social distancing. Online at cedarvalley.ca, you will see a button or a tab that says give. And recurring, whoa, shoot. Online at cedarvalley.ca, you'll see a button or a tab that says give. There you can find all the information about giving online, setting up e-transfers, and recurring direct payments. Our office will continue to be open weekday mornings at this time and we can receive giving in person if you need to do it that way. Just a couple of bits of information. At this time, we have suspended all public gatherings and meetings until further notice because of COVID-19. The March 29 date night is postponed until further notice and, uh, Youth Impact Retreat has been canceled for the spring. With all that being said, I'm going to hand it over to our worship team. And while we transition, if you're watching live, why not say hi and let everyone know where you're watching from this morning. everyone welcome here I'm sure you are sitting at home either in your pajamas on your couch drinking a coffee I encourage you to join us and sing along this morning with us as we worship our Lord together these are times of solitude of times away from people that we're usually connected with and I just pray that the songs that we sing this morning can help you to relax enjoy the times of family and realize that God is here with us he is there with you and he is in control. So I just encourage you to sing along with us this morning.
Through it all, through it all, my 
for those that have joined us this morning to worship you, Lord, and to hear your word. I just pray a blessing on them as they are home, safe. Bless those that are ill. Be with those of us that are healthy, that we can be supportive and helpful for those that are home and unable to get out, Lord. Let us be to the neighbors. Help them and lead them and be there as support for them, Lord. I just pray all these things in your very precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining us, worshiping in music as we have so far. Whether we're singing together in a hall, out in the park, or just at home in bed, God loves hearing the praises we bring Him, and He alone is worthy of them. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for what we can give thanks for today. Because your word tells us anything that is good comes from you. And in a season like we're in, where it may be tougher than ever to see good things, I pray that you'd help us see you behind the good things that we do see. We wake up in the morning. That's a gift. We smell the fresh air. We hit the crispness of the season. Spring is coming. Things are growing. We have people in our lives who love us. We have a family of faith that cares for us and cares for those outside of church. Help us to be quiet and still and absorb the peace that you offer us, the joy that you offer us, the wisdom that you offer us, the strength that you offer us in our inner being so that we would, in being hmm, made strong this way and being quiet when we would choose to be quiet, we can come out of that and help others and be a witness that you are always in control. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey there, Cedar Valley kids. I hope you're having fun in the sun during spring break. But you know what? I know that maybe some of you have been hearing your mom and dad talk about this really bad flu virus that is making people sick all over the world. And that you might be a little bit worried about that. Because, well, you know what? It's kind of scary, actually. But remember that God is bigger than any of our worries or our fears. Did you know that in the Bible, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says that perfect love casts out fear. And because God is perfect, he can cast out, that means he can throw our fear and our worries right away. In the Bible, 
when David was just a young shepherd boy out in the fields watching his sheep, it says that sometimes a lion or a bear would come out of the forest and try to take those sheep. Well, David could have been very scared and worried and fearful, but instead he trusted in God and that made him brave and he was able to save his sheep. Also, Goliath, well, he was huge, big, he was mean, he was really scary, he was also a bully. And most of the other people, they were ready to run away in the other direction because they were so scared. But David, he trusted in God and he knew that God was bigger even than Goliath. And because he trusted in God, God took away his fear and his worry and he gave him victory. You know, sometimes when I start to get a little bit worried, I think about God and all of the good things that he's done for me. And I become thankful. And then when I'm thankful, I also think of others. Well, maybe they don't have as many good things as I do. Maybe there's something I could do for them to help them. Because you know what? Jesus told us that we should love our neighbor. And that means just going and helping somebody who needs something that we can do for them. And so if we think of God and what he's given to us, and we're thankful, and we think about how maybe I could help my neighbor, you know what happens? Now I don't have any time to think about how worried I could be, but rather I'm thinking about what I can do for others because I know God loves me so much. So you know what this week I want you to do? I want you to think of one thing that you're really thankful for to God. Then I also want you to think about something you can do for a neighbor. Maybe you can write a card for somebody down the street. Maybe there's a grandpa or grandma that would really like a card from you. Or maybe there's a neighbor that could use a little bit of food and with your mom and dad, you can go to their front door and you can give something to them. And you know what? As we love our neighbors, I think we're gonna be worrying a little bit less about things that could happen and we'll trust God that he will take away our fear because God is perfect. Thanks for listening. I'm going to see you next week, but not here at church because we're going to wait until everybody's better before we get back together again. But I'll see you on your screen next week. Bye for now. Good morning. Very profound, powerful passage today found in Mark chapter 12. If you turn in your Bibles, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. in the NIV, and I'll read. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Uh, hey, welcome to our second live stream service. We are 
I am really encouraged and excited by the engagement and the participation that you've all been able to put in while we're working in this new medium here. And uh, you know, what's really cool is to see that we can still engage together as a church whether in a building or online on the web. And uh, even last week, it was great seeing the interactions and the comments that happened back and forth. And yeah, too, uh, some encouragement for our uh, worship team and speaker last week as this is super weird for us. The, the last time I spoke on a camera intentionally was... Uh, or spoke, like at least like preach in front of a camera. There's a class we did at uh, Columbia Bible College where we had to film ourselves teaching a lesson and then we had to watch it over again five times. And uh, it was brutal. I hated it. Uh, I made it through like two times before I just deleted the video, never wanted to see it and just said, I won't ever speak again because I say stupid stuff and make dumb noises all the time. Uh, I saw all the ways I would fidget with my hands. It drove me so nuts. Uh, but luckily, for most people I talk with, I've heard that speaking in front of camera isn't a favorite thing. Uh, if in fact there is anybody here in the audience who can't, does like speaking on on camera, on film, uh, mention it in the comments right now because I will get you to say next week's message. <laughs> That'll be great. Uh, now, anyways, thanks for being here. We are going to dive into a bit of a message. Right now, our church is going through a series called Reframe, and we're calling it Reframe because we want, we're taking a look at the life of Jesus uh, from his birth and we were kind of going through that in December during the Advent series and then we thought we want to continue this in January all the way to Easter and just move through the life of Jesus and make sure that that is our central focal point and that's really what we're building our entire our our movement of church as we're going through some transition time our focus as uh individual believers of God as disciples, that it's centered around Jesus Christ, his teachings, his example, and his design for the church and for us. And uh, so we have a reading plan going along with that too. And this week, uh, we're, if you're reading along, Jesus was, uh, he has just entered into Jerusalem. He made a huge scene by entering into a temple. He is really upset with everything going on. So he flipped some tables, made a whip, starts whipping people, kicking animals out, like just lost it because he was so mad about the exploitation and the systems that the religious leaders had done to the temple. They made the, they completely screwed up the faith and they made it all about their own power and practices, and they started exploiting the people that God actually wanted them to be caring for. Uh, even before that, he on their way in, he must have been already knowing that was going to happen. He was mad. There was a fig tree. He cursed it. The fig tree died, and he starts teaching as like his last words. He starts teaching, providing wisdom as saying like, "These are the things you can't get wrong. This is what's important." And here we land, and we're in Mark chapter 12 verse 28 and thanks for reading Kathy um, what's often called the greatest commandment this is also found in Matthew chapter 22 almost just parallels uh, those are both synoptic gospels which are books of the Bible that follow through the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus kind of like a synopsis they really try to track and be as accurate as they could be um, and there's uh, also the book of Luke is another synoptic gospel that has the same kind of stories moving along anyways what is happening here is uh, called the greatest commandment, but 
as Jesus is teaching uh, and he's working specifically with a group of people called the Sadducees, it's a, a sect of ancient uh, Judaism, and we'll talk in a moment about why that's important. They're starting to pick up on the fact that Jesus is super wise. He's got a huge amount of influence. He has all these followers. It's actually frustrating the current teachers of the law, the current religious leaders. And so one of them comes up with a, a bit of a test he wants to put forward to Jesus. And so he goes up and he says to Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And this is why I, I'll give some background of why this is important. Um, the the Jewish faith at that point was really built around this catalog of laws that was built from a grouping of books called the Torah, the books of Moses. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you've ever opened up the Bible and started from the beginning, you've read uh, the creation story and flood, and then there's uh, uh, escape from Egypt and some plagues and some stuff and then you get to these these books of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and you probably got pretty bored and eventually skipped ahead until you know it got exciting again there's just all these laws and genealogies and and literally numbers of history that uh, the the Jew the religious leaders of the day went through and they found 613 laws that they decided to build their their governing system of faith and religion on. Uh, they cataloged these all. They, these were laws that were memorized uh, from an early age as they would grow up. They would memorize all these laws. They would catalog them as positive laws or negative, um, affirming and um, transforming laws, ones that would like force you to change a behavior. There was uh, first rate and second tier heavy and light laws. They had all these categorizations for it. And it's one of these things that we can look at and see observe it as something that seems like a crazy cultish religion, uh, religious practice. But the reality is we live in a world that even in a modern day where we have, you know, statements like your truth is your truth. And uh, I kind of just live by my own free way of being. We are constantly governed by a set of rules and commands and laws that we put into our lives. Uh, and it can be, you know, huge stuff from the way we believe our whole, like, political decisions need to go and the way we understand relationships and family models that need to be. But it even happens in, in kind of like silly context. A perfect example for you is if you want to understand what it looks like to move into a context uh, that you just don't know what's going on and you don't belong, uh, head into fabric land one day wearing your full construction gear. I've done this a few times and uh, all your PPE equipment and uh, ask for something that you don't really know the proper name of and you will quickly find out that you don't belong there. If you don't know the terminology and you don't talk the talk and you don't know where to go or what questions to ask, you will quickly be shown uh, the fact that you don't belong there because you don't know the rules, you don't know the systems that get put in place. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, I apologize, we do that as a church where when people come to us and we have a bit of a culture we build around how we behave together and what's normal and what words we should and shouldn't use, how we should dress. And we unintentionally push that on people because we, we're constantly governed by rules everywhere, right? So it's not too crazy what uh, the Jewish leaders were doing these days. And even more specifically, I mentioned the Sadducees, there was different sects of Judaism and they all had different focuses. 
that like a grouping or catalog or category of laws that were more important. And we do the exact same thing with denominations today. Uh, Christianity has similar core concepts, but we all have different emphasis. Uh, we're a Mennonite church. We emphasize the teachings of Menno Simons. Across the street from us, there's a Baptist church, and they emphasize the act and practice of baptism. There's down the hill a uh, uh, Pentecostal church, and they have they hold highly the the Pentecost moment where the Holy Spirit came in to our lives and empowers us. And there's the stuff that we all believe, but just different emphases. So what's happening here when this uh, teacher of the law comes and is asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He's hoping that Jesus will align himself with one of these pre-existing groups and therefore lose a lot of his specific individual influence. If Jesus then says, yeah, this law or this command here is the most important one, and everyone will realize suddenly like, okay, we already fit into this group and it exists. Um, so Jesus responds in a brilliant way. And here's his response. He says, uh, hear this. this is the, the most important law is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And what he's doing here, and I'm going to stop there for a moment, is he paraphrases something known as the Shema, the first word. And that was actually a prayer that all Jews at that time period and, and still know of as something that they would have said every morning and every evening. It was their confession of faith. It was their core thing that they held dear. But sometimes these things that are so repetitive in our life and they're meant to be core foundations fall away because they become too known to us. They become too second nature. Uh, a really perfect example for us, it, so many of our worship songs have powerful statements, even something simple like, uh, I believe in God our Father, we call God Father, but we sometimes forget that there's this both reverent and loving relationship that is absolutely core concept to how we believe in and love God and experience His love for us. Uh, a really common one is, uh, I grew up my whole life saying this prayer, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Does anybody else know it? Throw it in on the comments there. Unto us, this meal be blessed, right? We know these things, and yet there's profound statements in there, like the fact we say, Lord Jesus, he is the Lord of our lives, which means that he is in complete control. We're complete servants and submissive to him. Um, we say these things, but they become so common that the importance gets undermined, just like I believe what was happening here with... Uh, with the Jewish sects, Jesus just simply says, here is a command that you probably haven't realized is even a core command for you. Love Lord your God. And I need to bring that back into the forefront of your mind. And this is important for us to understand of what we build our foundations on as believers. Do we build our foundations on some of these side things? We build up a construction set of rules, uh, creating a religion here. Often as Christians, we get sidetracked and we'll build a foundation off of our faith being a political leaning or a uh, statement of this is just how you should behave as a proper human being. You know, here's manners. Uh, most of the times it's just our view of sex and how sex should be uh, as a big Christian staple. Sometimes it's just the way that you simply dress and that becomes a huge thing. I'll, I'll put it in a very relatable sense that actually applies to us right now. If somebody was to ask you, 
what does it mean to be a Christian? And your response is you go to church on Sundays last week, that whole, if that was your foundation, it got completely shredded apart because we have just now engaged in a practice of social distancing and meeting in a physical building, which has a lot of great stuff. We worship together, we pray together, we meet together, friends and family and uh, build new connections and community is not happening now in a building, in a place. Uh, if that was your foundation, it's completely fallen apart. And then you're left with what? You have to start wrestling with it. And so Jesus is saying, you guys have found 613 laws and you want to know which is the most important. And honestly, you're going to miss the point if you look at any of those because something's going to happen where you're going to be challenged about the application of that law or you're going to find some sort of loophole or even a distraction away from it and it's going to falter. This thing that you've been saying your whole life, this prayer that I love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that needs to be the core foundation. I love the fact that we just sang together a song that has a bridge that builds up saying, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation because that's, that's the exact goal that we need to have here. And I experience in my own life times that my faith gets really shaken around because something that I thought I believed in, this is the way I understood this passage of the Bible. Clearly like this makes, you know, it can never be shaken. And now I am pushed with a different interpretation of it even, or a different perspective or worldview or how it applies in a different cultural context. And it ends up being something that's so small. If I let it shake me so much that my foundation is ripped apart, I'll end up losing what's really essential and that's God's love and loving God. So that's why Jesus responds with this. Here's the most important command, love the Lord your God. And he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, there's a second piece to this. And it's not a second command necessarily. I want you to understand what the first command really means. And we're going to dig into this and, and listen to these next five words, because this is what is applicable to our current situation right now, hugely. So he goes on to say, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And those five words have a huge amount of weight. And we're gonna, we're gonna build into those a little bit, but this is the heart behind it. Jesus is making sure that we don't simply just say, oh yeah, love God, that's our focus, that's what we have to do, and leave it at that. Because when you truly love somebody, you start to learn about them. You start to understand and see the world through their eyes and you start to get their convictions and their base of understanding. Let me put it this way. My, like, I love my wife and, uh, and for all of you who are married there over the years, you've likely started to learn some things about your spouse and you've probably started to learn the way they see the world. And even sometimes you get challenged of seeing and understanding and interpreting things differently through their eyes. But the reality is you learn about them and you learn how to embrace their way of living and their way of understanding the world. So if we're meant to truly love God, we're gonna learn about him and we're gonna see something profound. And what that is, is the fact that he loves all of us immensely. The, the greatest passages all throughout scripture, the, the core of the gospel, John three sixteen, God so loved the world, all of it, all the people in the world, whether they were robbers or screw ups or making mistakes, whether they were the people hoarding toilet paper down at Costco, God loves them. And the fact is that you're part of that too. And God loves you. See, 
these five words are huge. When God says to love your neighbor, meaning the whole world around, as yourself, meaning that God loves you as part of that as well. Uh, and it's, it's been on my mind a lot, the fact that right now, as some of you are probably participating in different levels of social distancing, you might be in full self-isolation at home, you really confront yourself. And a lot of times the loudest parts are the parts you don't like about yourself so much. Uh, maybe some old habits have come back up in your life. Maybe some stuff that you thought you've been able to distract yourself away from have come back up into the forefront and, and you're not happy with where yourself is at. And we can get ourselves to the point of thinking, I can't be loved. And there's no way a God would love what I'm wrestling with. There's no way a God would love the fact that my mind is indulging in this stuff. But the fact is, the examples throughout the Bible that God shows us who he loves and on the cross next to Jesus was a man condemned for thievery and robbery and Jesus loves him and forgives him and God loves us. He loves us when we're at our brokenness because we need him so much more than when we're full of pride. So we can't separate those two facts. I read an interesting article about church history that showed how Christianity has taken this command that Jesus gave us to love the Lord your God and to love our neighbors and applied that to pandemics. Uh, a big one being uh, in like the bubonic plague in the 1500s and uh, a really interesting note from Martin Luther sends a declaration out to the church is saying this is how a Christian should act and he says uh, I'll just read it straight from here that we die at our posts Christian doctors cannot abandon their hospitals Christian governors cannot flee their districts Christian pastors cannot abandon their congregations uh, this plague does not dissolve our duties it turns them into crosses our neighbors need the love that we provide on behalf of the Lord God our Jesus and which we must be prepared to die for heavy and this is not the same situation, but the truth behind that all is the same, uh, is the fact that as Christians, as people who are loving God and learning and seeing the world and people and our neighbors through God's eyes, we don't have the privilege of being ignorant or negligent or foolish, especially during this time as we're moving through a societal crisis together. And that's why we're doing stuff like, like this online here, why we've uh, kind of abandoned group gatherings because we're doing our part to help alleviate this thing and help this virus move past with minimal damage. There are a small percentage, but a reality, a percentage of our population that is weak and in need and at risk. And that's what we're sacrificing everything for. And be thankful that our sacrifice is minimal at this time. Um, as a church, we're able to engage together in what might be uncomfortable, challenging ways like this online, but we're doing it for the act of carrying out this loving our neighbor principle. Um, this is just the way that we, and it's not, it's not a thing that simply makes sense. I, I'm constantly encouraged how well and amazingly the world is stepping up to deal with this. Uh, as much as there's so much heaviness in the news and on Facebook, there's almost as much positive information coming out about 
community initiatives of people stepping up, whether it's uh, going out shopping or coming up with creative ways to stay safe while still engaging with your with your kids and providing opportunities for your kids to be active. Uh, neighbors interacting across uh, a video that was so amazing of in Italy of people singing across the streetways from balcony to balcony and uh, I've even just heard of now in apartment buildings where they're setting up uh, certain times of the day where everyone's gonna open up windows and just have a conversation from safe distances but just talk these things well up in us because not because they make sense in a worldview a secular worldview says we're here to survive if somebody's weak enough to get caught by this thing I need to protect myself, hoard hand sanitizer, make sure you get all the meat from Costco, uh, get all the toilet paper you'll need and just survive this thing. That's what a survival instinct, survival of the fittest, uh, secular worldview would say. But instead we actually see this people coming together, going out of their way, doing stuff that doesn't make sense and being selfless and sacrificial because we're created by God who loves us, who wants us to express that same love and spread that love around. It, it's amazing. It's not a thing that makes sense. And so we do that not out of an obligation from something that's rational and not even just obedience, but because it's out of love, because we love God. And don't get me wrong. I, I do want to, here's a disclaimer I wrote down here because I want to make sure this is communicated well, but I don't want there to be a sense that we're saying anything contradictory right now. Uh, we're not doctors, and uh, right now God has put it in place governing authorities that are wise and, and gifted, and so we are adhering to uh, the current recommendations they're providing. Uh, at the same rate, we need to be ready and equipped that when, not when, but if things get out of control to the point that might put us in an uncomfortable sacrificial position, we do that because of a love for God, representing the testimony of who God is and the sacrifice Jesus made. We do that as followers of Jesus. And we don't do that out of fear. Uh, that just was uh, a disclaimer I had to throw out there, but it's, it's true. It's, it's a thing that we, we need to be kind of prepared for and to do. Uh, Currently in our, our specific context, we're, we're as a church engaging in social distancing, and that's fantastic. Give yourself a pat on the back for stepping up and leading our culture in that. A big thing we can be doing right now too is claiming God's name and God's love on these situations that are happening of saying that's not just uh, your, it's not there to get more Instagram followers. You're not, it's not because of this, like the love that's welling up in you to be self-sacrificial is because of God and claim his name in that share your stories share your testimonies while you can in these opportunities uh through instagram and facebook or however you have the ability to and you know what if you're still doing mail here's a time to get out the stamp collection and start mailing people letters because like what else are we doing but hanging out at home uh, hanging out in our offices alone and here's a chance that we're probably going to spend way more time paying attention to what other people are saying than not uh, another thing to do that you can do to really engage in this love is you might be wondering how can I learn more about God you got to start diving into this book we have this reading plan reframe which is helping us focus back into scripture and it's amazing how sometimes it takes a social crisis to give us time to read the Bible more but take up that opportunity. Don't feel guilty about it that you're now forced to it. Say it as, uh, well, there's always 
something good out of this and start reading the Bible, read the gospels, see God's love through the work and life of Jesus Christ. And there's another word in here that I, I touched on it, but I want to make sure it comes through really clear in, in this command. Five words, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes we end that last word off way too quickly, yourself. But if, if we can see through these gospels, God loving, you know, the, the messes, the screw-ups, people who make mistakes over and over, the broken, the needy, the sick, what the Bible says, the poor in spirit, uh, people who both unintentionally and intentionally cause a ruckus and do evil and create problems in the world. And if we can see huge evidence of God loving them, you're in that too. We need to realize the fact that we're part of that collection of people. There's nothing we can do so bad that removes us uh, from God's embrace of love. And in order to love our neighbors fully, Jesus says here, it's, it can't be separated. You need to see that God loves you the same way. And uh, I, I, we will end off this off with prayer because uh, my heart just goes out to, to any of you who are really experiencing the weight of this, uh, this time, uh, this isolation, and uh, what you might be wrestling with, uh, what might feel really lonely, that uh, sometimes when we lose our foundation of loving God, it feels hard to get back there. But if you're looking for a way to move back towards loving God, and not just obeying a set of rules that you grew up with, not just obeying a religion uh, or creating a 613 laws to govern your life with. Start by remembering what God has done for you. Remember through your life, your testimony, um, how God took the problems and what the Bible says, the attempts of evil that mankind made and the times the world tried to turn its back on you and God and God worked it for his glory. Focus on those times. Focus on the core of the gospel, the fact that God loves you so much that he sent his only son to this world to live with us, teach us, inspire us, and die for us that we can have this continued connection with God that the Holy Spirit can live in our lives. Remember that because if you start with that, you find it easier to love somebody who does that for us. How can we move towards loving our neighbor more? We're already participating in it. Find this as an opportunity to lead culture and not just, you know, say there's so many cool things happening, but find a way to lead the culture in loving our neighbors into reaching out. Um, take the initiative to make a connection in a unique way that is still abiding by our social distancing practices and being safe and helping this virus pass by. Connect with your neighbors. And when you see these opportunities, whether they're online through your Facebook feed, whether they're in emails or if they're just something you're seeing in your scroll, point out and claim God's name and God's love and God's truth in these situations. And I think of this whole thing, what we can do is really proclaim to the world that when stuff seems so out of control and so weird, uh, we're living in a day and age with amazing technology. We can do this. We can chat. Uh, we're able to study and, and take some precautious steps for virus infection. And there are casualties that crash by uh, in a broken, fallen world. But the fact is, every time humanity gets crushed and pushed a little bit, something inexplicable happens where we rise up. And it's not 
it's not something that makes sense in a Darwinian model of life. It's something that only makes sense when there's just a, a love that envelops us. I want to pray, and I'm going to let you guys go, uh, but especially to just make sure that you also don't take the yourself piece out of that passage, to love your neighbor as yourself. But uh, just pray with me. God, thank you for this time. Uh, if there's anything that this time together as a society, as a church can bring out more, God, it's the fact that you are not a God of a religion. You are not a God of a set of rules. You are not a God of doing one thing and just meeting in a place on Sundays. Mm, but God, you're a God who asks us just to love you back, to experience your love, to reflect your love, and selflessly, senselessly, with no rationale, spread that out to people, maybe putting ourselves in harm's way sometimes to do it, God. Let that overwhelm us. And God, if anybody here listening in has lost the view of themselves that you have for them, I just pray that you remove the evil, you remove the block in their life that is bearing down on them, God, and share your view of them, God. When we look in the mirror, let us see the way you see us, God. When we hear ourselves in a recording on a camera, God, let us see the way you are seeing and watching us. And, and in all these things, God, we just pray that your name be glorified. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us again online. Uh, we'll be keeping the live stream going for a little while after. If you have any thoughts or anything to throw up there, throw it on the comments. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll keep it going. But uh, until then, uh, we'll see you next week. And thanks for tuning in.